Welcome to the Insight Through Experience podcast, a podcast created to provide information about what life is like inside the most specialized special tactics organization in the U.S. Air Force. In these episodes, we'll be bringing you the experiences from many of our experts, ranging from our human performance optimization staff, our combat mission supporters, as well as our special warfare operators. Our main objective with these podcasts are to provide the listener with a unique look inside our culture of excellence in hopes that you will make the 724 a future career goal. Now sit back, relax, take some notes, prepare to hear from some of the Air Force's finest. Thank you for joining us on the Insight Through Experience podcast. All right, welcome back to the Insight Through Experience podcast, everybody. I got Charlie Two Two with me. Charlie Two Two, thanks for joining me, buddy. Thanks for having me, sir. So Charlie Two Two's background is this is his second ANS. He obviously wasn't picked up the first one. Went back to his unit, the Two Six STS. He wanted to come back to the next selection. We forced him to wait for a little while, um, and then he came back. It's only been six months. Yes, sir, six like, months. So six months and came back and crushed it. So. That's really the foundation of why we wanted to invite him on the podcast, just to get his lessons learned from the first one, how he prepared for the second one, and how um, the experience was as he was coming through that second selection. So, Tutu, before we even get started, man, give us a brief background story on where you grew up and how you ended up in the Air Force. Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, So, I grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona, born and raised there. I played high school basketball. I was on the varsity team, and I raced motocross for 12 years. Uh, and then why, how I ended up in the Air Force is I just felt like I needed more in my life and I wanted to serve a higher purpose. Why the Air Force? Why not some other branch? Uh, for the Air Force, just some family. I uh, knew a lot of people who've been in the Air Force and uh, they said it was a lot more professional and they seemed to take care of their personnel a lot more. Did you come in specifically to be battlefield airman? Yes, sir. You did? So how did you figure that out, man? Did the recruiter tell you about it? Uh, it was kind of through multiple avenues. Uh, I had some family that were prior military that knew about combat control. Um, some family friends of my parents uh, were ex-pararescue men, and mm-hmm. they kind of pointed me in the direction towards pararescue or combat control, and I made the decision for combat control. You know what my next question is going to be. Why? Uh, combat control because I felt like I could really uh, make – a larger difference and impact on the battlefield. Um, pararescue men, not to disregard what they do, they, they save lives, but I felt like I could save more lives by, you know, fulfilling the JTAC portion of being a combat controller. Awesome, I couldn't agree more, but I'm biased because that's what I did as well. What was the pipeline experience like for you? So coming from Flagstaff, doing motocross for, you say, 11 or 12 years? 12 years. 12 years of motocross. What was it like coming into an experience like the pipeline? It was uh, honestly a huge culture shock because uh, motocross is a very individual event, but then having that background in basketball also helped me get along with the team, but there was a lot of growth I had to do there. The process and the pipeline, it was it was long. Um, you know, before that new ANS pipeline, it's just a long year and a half long um, experience, a lot of grinding, and really it was you had to stay motivated and focused the whole time. Uh, I was looking at your application before you came in here, actually. Uh, how old were you when you joined? I was 22 years old, or excuse me, I was 21 years old, about to turn 22 uh, when I came in. Uh, tried college for about a year, mm-hmm. realized it wasn't wasn't for me, I wasn't ready for that yet, and I really needed to do some personal growth and go a different direction towards the military. Uh, now, you are at the 26th STS, is that your first assignment? Yes, sir. It was my first assignment out of the Special Tactics Squadron. It was number one on my list. 
because uh, I heard that's where they get a lot of good training in. They go TDY or on work trips to go get better and train uh, more than any other unit. Let's um, let's pull on a thread real quick for the audience because there's a lot of people that are wanting to come into the service listening to this as well. I get more comments from them, honestly, from, from anybody else, and I love it. So when you're coming through the pipeline, you're going through all your employment skills or schools, and then you get to combat control school, you graduate that, then you go to STTS. How long was that? Uh, STTS? Yeah. The STTS is about a year. Um, can vary depending on how, how quick the training rolls into the next. Um, you're yeah. wearing your beret there. Yes, sir. Already earned your beret at combat control school. Now you're kind of in advanced training for that year. Yes, sir. You're uh, three level when you show up to combat, or excuse me, special tactics squadron. And then you get your five level, your, your big boy training there to where you can actually do the job mostly on your own and be a functioning member of the team. Were all of you five levels when you graduated there? Yes. That's every single awesome, one of man. Us. Just so awesome for these units to receive five levels who can just start working. So going to the two six, A is awesome that you volunteered for it, but B, how was it when you got there and was it everything that you thought it would be? Absolutely. It was amazing. Uh, I got there in late 2018. Uh, the unit was deployed, so I sat around on the, uh, the stay behind troop and was able to talk to a lot of experienced guys, uh, really get a lot of good insight on what the career field is like, what the training's like, and really start to vector my focus towards the JTAC program. When did you get, what year did you get your JTAC? Uh, I went to SOTAC in 2019 and I received my rating later in uh, 2019. So what was it, having a good time at the, the 2-6, you've been there for a few years, what led you to the 724? Uh, it was some of the briefings that we've heard. I think you gave our briefing at STTS in 2018. Uh, and I thought that's what combat control was, was tier one right out of the gate. And I, that was not the truth. So that was something I always wanted to be uh, driving towards and orienting myself towards. And then just through the, through the years at the unit and hearing, hearing across the career field, how professional and how driven and motivated the two, four really is. And that's, that's what made me want to come up here. Uh, give us a summary of your first selection attempt. So, man, I remember it well because it was just last fall. I think it was October. Uh, and to be honest with you, from my side, as we get into this conversation, because I want to dig into this a little bit, because I think it's important for us to highlight what the experience was like the first time, what you took away from it, and how you came back and just crushed it this time. But to be honest with you, you didn't do terribly the first time. So let me hear your perception of how that person went. Uh, yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, so the first time I came up here, I saw it as more of a threat environment. Um, I was really afraid to relax in terms of being who I was and really dig into the process and let the process, uh, or excuse me, let myself be vulnerable to the process. I felt like I was on guard and really stressed out the whole time. What stands out? Like we all have little snapshots in our memories um, when we have some events like selection, some emotionally driven events. So thinking back, what are some of the snapshots that stand out about that? Uh, some of the big ones were some of the earlier problem solving events. Um, I was really constricted on how I was able to free think towards those problem sets because I was so stressed out. I wasn't letting my mind work at its max capacity. I was more worried about what the cadre, or excuse me, what the evaluators are thinking what my teammates are thinking instead of focusing on the problem and trying to solve uh, or come up with a better solution. What were some 
things you remember about the people that were successful in that first selection that got hired? Um, maybe some things that you saw, yes, that guy's kind of crushing it, and I wish I could do that. What were some of those things we could offer tips out to the community? Absolutely. Uh, in our group, we had a, a call sign Charlie 4-1, who's a very like, relaxed individual, but when it was time, he would flip a switch and absolutely crush events, both physically and problem-solving-wise. Um, he was able to use his brain power a lot more and keep driving the rest of the team towards uh, a solution or the desired end result of coming up with a solution. What do you think, and maybe you've already said it, but what was the difference in your perception back then of your performance and his? He was, he, I think he was outperforming me in every single event. And I let that start to eat at myself or eat at me internally. And that really started to hamper my performance as well. Not comparing yourself to others, but just focusing on your performance and how you can get better, not how other people are doing around you. It's and so focusing hard, on that. It, man? Isn't yeah. it hard? Because we're all competitive bastards anyway. Yeah. It's just hard. It's hard when the first thing you do here really is the combine and you just want to, you don't want to be the worst performer. So you're going to go out and you see people perform before you and like, man, I got to beat that time. And that's good. It's also, it drives you, but then we go home or go back to our rooms and start ruminating on, on it. And that's when it starts turning into a dark funnel. Absolutely. Uh, what was the most challenging part of that first ANS, whether it's physical or mental, or maybe one of both, if you would. Yes, sir. Uh, specifically project X was, I think the hardest event because the way the problem worked was you didn't really have time to sit down and come up with a solid plan and you just had to take action and go and kind of problem solve on the fly um, and being super tight and stressed out that whole time. The instructors are watching you in the catwalk. They're blowing air horns every time you mess up. Like that was super stressful and really, really kind of shut me down. Um, and then for the physical events, I would say infill was arguably the most challenging so I was competing with Charlie 4-1, trying to you know lead the pack with him, and kind of pushed it too hard. Didn't pace myself enough. Lost uh, lost sight of my own race and hit a wall about 14 or 15 miles in, and it took me almost an hour to recover with hydration and eating food before I could start moving out again. It was it was pretty rough. Man, that's some great insight. Let's go back to Project X real quick though. Um... Just for the audience, Project X, I won't give it away what you're doing, but it's a team problem-solving event, and it's really hard. At first, when you get the challenge read to you, I would feel like that I think we can probably get this done, and then you start, and you realize that everything's gumming you up. Um, you start questioning your plans that are coming up with, how did how did your team get through it? How far did you make it, first off? And then how did y'all keep just pressing forward? Uh, the very first iteration, I, I got all the way into the – to the room we were supposed to be in, but it was myself alone. Mm. Um, the restrictions placed upon the event were uh, every member of the team had to be in that room before you, know, you could continue to carry out what was expected. And we just got separated. So communication got degraded. Nobody seemed to know what was going on after that point. And it was, uh, it was, it was pretty rough, the first, first iteration. And then pressing forward, it was really, really inspiring to see you know, guys like Charlie 4-1, uh, Charlie 3-5, and Charlie 3-3 three, three press forward and kind of step up and say, okay, cool, we made our mistakes, let's learn from them, and let's keep pressing and forget those mistakes very fast. Um, we ended up getting the whole team into the room, 
fulfilling the task we had to in that room. And I think we're about halfway out the house before uh, time was called. So we, we, we kept pressing. Um, it wasn't perfect at first, but I think that really showed the right way to do things, the right way to deal with failures, recognize what you or recognize your lessons learned from your failures and then quickly forget the failure and press on with the next event. Yeah, I remember that one. It was awesome to watch. Let's talk about the infield, though, because I think there's a lot of lessons that I want people to hopefully take away, too, is the nutrition and hydration. It seems as guys come up here, I don't know that we do such a great job through training of putting guys in situations that are this grueling and making sure they understand how to, to hydrate and eat well. And I'm not saying that was your fault. It sounds like you got caught up in the competition, too, but... Just explain some of those challenges that you face and what you've seen other guys face when it comes to hydration and nutrition. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, that's something I think uh, training up for these events come or training up for selection itself is getting used to drinking a lot of water and like rehydration, uh, like drip drop packets, noon and um, liquid IV. Getting used to having your body on take a lot of that while you're while you're putting out while you're doing these exercises as well as eating doing that because uh, a lot of people don't eat when they work out or in the middle of their workout and I think that that's what hampers people because these events are long infills I don't even know how long it is it's longer than four hours it feels like so you can't just put out for four hours and not eat the whole time and that was that was definitely a challenge that myself and other guys faced as well was. We were so focused on the event, so focused on competing with each other that a lot of us weren't slowing down for a couple minutes to make sure we got some fuel in our body and drink some water and then keep pressing forward from there. I think I'd like to understand what was in your head when the commander looked across the table at you and said we wasn't picking you up and then how you dealt with that over the next few hours and days. Uh, absolutely. That, uh, that was uh, not, not the best news I've ever received in my life. Um, that, that hurt, honestly. Um, but at the same time as probably 35 seconds to a minute of self-pity and then started thinking of ways, man, how could I have done better? And started recognizing pretty soon, oh, I know how to move forward with this um, and really start to improve areas where I was lacking. And then I think I was asking you the next day, like if I could come back in the December assessment, which was only about a month and a half away, which you know, that was that was a knee-jerk reaction. I would uh, probably shy away from that. I'm glad you didn't let me come back because I probably wouldn't have done much better. So um, it was it was pretty rough hearing that news. I saw it as a failure, but up here you guys do a really good job of telling us that it's not a failure if you make it through all the way to the end and you just don't get selected. That that just shows the professionalism of the unit and how seriously they take the selection process it's not it's a job interview it's not a pass or fail event i appreciate you saying that um just so the audience knows i gather everybody right before the commander starts telling the guys who didn't make it before we, before we starts revealing that news to them and i just look at everybody in the eye and say no matter what you find out today whether you get us selected or not get selected man it doesn't define who you are and it doesn't and i hope that helps your first time, though, the other guys that didn't get selected, anybody dwelling on it or anybody having a hard time dealing with it, do you remember? Uh, honestly, I don't remember too much because I was during those 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 first few hours when I found out the news, um, I wasn't really focused on anybody else. I was, it was definitely more internal. So I apologize to some of the other guys if I could have helped them 
um, work through it, but I need, I needed to work through it on my own, just like I'm sure they had to work through it on their own as yeah, well. It's tough, man. And again, we go back to the threat or the fear when it hits us, man, we, we constrict, we start turning inward again, and it's hard to realize what's going on around us. So now I remember your class and it's the worst day. Yesterday was another worst day. I got four worst days of the year now, and it's the day that we have to tell people no. And that really sucks, really sucks for my position. Cause I would love to hire everybody here. All right. So many guys tell me, and I have a lot of guys before they go back to their units saying, man, I just dread going back and having to look at maybe people past unit members that are out there. Some of our alumni just going back and telling them I didn't make it or some of their buddies, any of that, when you got back there, any fears? Absolutely. I was letting it consume who I was, uh, that failure or that I perceived it as a failure and everyone was just going to look at like a confirmation bias, almost like, Oh, of course this guy didn't get picked up and just really started to go down that rabbit hole. And it took a, took a couple weeks, I think probably one or two weeks before I was opening up about it to some, some of my close teammates and, you know, some mentors that I respect heavily. And some of them are alumni. And I think, I think he looked at me in the face and said, why are you, why are you so upset about this? Like, did you give it your all? And it's like, yeah, I did. And he's like, okay. Why, why are you so upset about it? Move on. Like, don't, don't dwell on the past. Don't hold on to past failures and move on and fix what you need to fix. As you were back at the two six and starting to think, and you had time to reflect, what were some of the lessons that you were taking away and how you oriented yourself for another, another shot at it? Uh, two of the, two of the biggest ones for me were self-confidence and my communication ability. Uh, I would let that lack of confidence and self-doubt stress me out and that would severely impact my communication ability. So I had lots of run on sentences that meant pretty much nothing. I would just word vomit and let the listener try and sort out what I just said, you know, having probably 10 or 15 good words in there and about a hundred ones that meant nothing. Um, so that was, those were some big issues that I, I saw and worked on coming out of there. And I, at first, I'm sure a lot of people who, who don't get selected at first day, they look at what their feedback was at the end and they try to fix it for what they think the process is looking for. They try to try to become somebody they really aren't. And I'll admit, I thought about that for a couple of days and there was, man, if I would have just done this and this, I probably would have gotten picked up. And that is, that's not the right answer. I would highly, uh, highly avoid that if you didn't get selected um, because it's just, you're going to be a fake person. You're not going to be who you are. And the, the evaluators up here are going to see through that almost immediately. Um, and nobody, nobody can hold a fake face up here from the start to the end. Uh, cause on Xville, infill and Xville, you find out who people truly are and you know, there's no way you could fake that. Did you pull in any of your experts or HPO experts or anybody? How did that, what did you use when you got back to the two six to prepare yourself? Uh, yes, sir. I used my, uh, my psych doc. Uh, she was able to give me some, some tips and tricks early on, on, pretty much matching the same books to read that you guys offer on your website, uh, peak or excuse me, mind of a champion or mindset of a champion. Uh, that book almost changed my uh, entire view on life and myself overnight. It's a fantastic book. Anybody that has confidence issues, I would highly recommend it. That helps me out. Um, and just being able to talk in front of people brief, start with something, you know, and that you've, you're good at and then start working towards harder, harder topics or harder subjects. 
I'll just encourage everybody that's listening to this. There's no reason to come up here and then get a non-select and then start working with these experts. Man, work with them your first shot. Get with them months before. I think Charlie 4.8 said it on the last podcast, too, after the March selection of these are things that you need to start working on now. If you're not planning on coming up here for two years, you should be with your psych doc now and start getting better at some of these things. And if you're not reading books, you're you're already behind. Yes, sir. And then another good uh, lesson learned and helped that with the preparation for the second uh, second selection process was a lot of introspection, like really, really getting to know yourself and not making sure your ideas or your motivation isn't fake per se, but it's what you really want. Um, that was that was how I knew I wanted to come back up here a second time, and I was really believed I was right for this this unit. How did you balance your what the two six needed you to do and your training for this as well? I, I was I was able to make them work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I see it, these all the the attributes and any of the information on your guys' website to kind of help with the mental prep and the physical prep side. They can be used hand in hand with how you train back at your unit. That's how I used it was kind of or trying to step up into different portions, um, work on my briefing skills, work on my communication ability, and then work on my confidence. Like going to Las Vegas, working with the uh, weapon squadrons out there and trying to have intelligent conversations about uh, publications and AFIs with pilots who know way more about it than me, but being able to confidently say my answer and have a conversation about it. All right, so the first time you came through, I don't think that we knew as a staff that you probably had as much chaos happening in your brain um, as you did, but this time you just seemed really mentally resilient. But I know there had to be a dark moment or two, so this is a two-part question, but I first wanna start with what were the dark moments this time? How'd you deal with them? The the dark moments I think were on infill and exfill this time. And a little bit during the garrison environment when it was more of the fear of the unknown, like how, how am I being perceived mm-hmm. right now? And I was able to just shut those down really quickly. Um, there's the, the graph scale on your website that shows where the peak performance of stress can be. And I was able to recognize where I was on that scale if I was getting too stressed out and my performance was lacking versus being right on the, um, if you look at the graph, the left side of the peak it's anxiety and almost peak performance that's where i tried to stay and then only certain times let myself uh, become more stressed but also more productive it's it's not easy to do and it's i think it's hard to recognize but with introspection and knowing how you are and talking to your psych doc you can really turn that into a weapon that's great advice too man this is i'll ask this all the time to people who've been back does knowing what's coming next, because we didn't change a lot of things, does knowing what's coming help you deal with demons or does it create different demons? It creates, uh, I thought it created more demons because um, I knew what was coming for the most part. Um, there were certain changes here and there that kept me on my toes and I think that helped as well. But uh, the demons were coming out not during the events as much, but more leading up to the event right after a hard event and knowing that another very difficult event is coming up and having to manage that that's when the demons were calling and that was that was it was difficult to deal with but again using that stress performance scale really really helps 
how do you, and you're probably going to, Mr. Free, I didn't talk about the process to anybody, but how do you help guys? How do you help coach guys? I know you're not giving away the process when they're here, but man, I hope you're giving them tips because we want to hire all of them. And we really, what we say is we don't like bad data. So even if a guy's been through before and can say, hey, you just need to calm yourself down before you go into this event or whatever, we love that. So how are you coaching guys or what are some ways um, you coached guys as they were coming through first time? Uh, first team introduction, I tried to put that out there uh, pretty pretty early as, hey, I've been here before. It's going to be okay. Uh, this is not some crazy smoker course. It's very difficult, but the cadre aren't unprofessional. There's no trick games. Uh, there's none of that. Uh, I think the biggest one that I harped on or that I remember harping on was eat and drink water. Mm-hmm. That was That was the biggest one. Uh, and try and sleep at the at night when you can. Just make sure you're relaxed when the day's over. Don't worry about upcoming events. Just focus on the current task. That was, those were uh, the two biggest ones. Those are great too. Those are just cruxes to the whole process. How did you sleep the first time? I know we're oh. backtracking, but I think I remember you telling me you weren't sleeping good. No, nope, not at all. I was super reliant on the room being completely blacked out, having the air conditioning fan running to for some white noise and just really trying to get to sleep and not let my mind race. And I was getting, you know, three to four hours of sleep a night when we had the ability to get up to six. So uh, that was just degrading my performance from day one and it only got worse from there how about this time this time i was i was sleeping significantly better there's still some of that some of that sleeplessness at the beginning um but that quickly subsided once i started relaxing what's the difference do you think it's solely familiarity or do you think that the training that you did helped you freaking be able to sleep better at night i think it was it was a lot of the training um the familiarity is honestly what was stressing me out about sleeping uh but the training um, from Mind of a Champion about letting things go and focusing on the good, learning from the bad, and being able to manage that stress and keep yourself at a certain level of anxiety and performance, um, but using that as a tool to let yourself relax as well. And what I mean by that is if, you stress, if you're stressing out about something, do it. You're, oh, my, my civilian clothes don't look very good clean them up a little bit, you know, do something to take your mind off of it and feel accomplished. So that way you can let yourself relax. So what are some things that you saw guys struggle with physically this week? And really what I want to do is help the first timers as they come up, not make the same mistakes as we saw some of the guys make this week. Uh, I would say where a lot of the struggles came from was people weren't familiar with moving with a, with a ruck on Mm -hmm. and doing events with rucks on because, you know, from my, my side of the house, from the special tactics side, we like to take our rucks off almost immediately. Um, you know, guys don't like being that uncomfortable. And honestly, wearing a ruck, it's not that fun sometimes. It's a big tick on your back that wears you out and smokes your, your traps. But, you know, that's that's a lot of a lot of the time up here you're going to be spent with a 65-plus pound tick on your back sucking the energy out of you. Um, and just being able to being able to learn how your body can move differently and how to change your movement patterns with that ruck on and just getting used to working under constant load like that. Um, some of the physical struggles I saw too were uh, related to grip strength. A lot of guys didn't seem to train their grip strength with a ruck. So if you're training up for this, uh, I would argue, or I would suggest 
while you're training your ruck is go out with a 20, 25 pound kettlebell. You know, it doesn't have to be a full weight jerry can or anything like that, but just you constantly getting your grip to be engaged and really working on that. How do you deal with that? How do you deal? How did you deal standing on that damn start line again this time, knowing what's about to come, waiting for the go call? What's going through your head? I uh, honestly just said, I'm going to leave everything I can out there. Uh, I'm going to go for it. Uh, I'm going to pace myself, though, and run my own race. But at the end, I told myself I'm going to be finishing first. Now that you've been through a second time, if you had to come back and do it a third time, what would you adjust? What more would you add to the mental resiliency training for you, Kane? The mental resiliency training, I would uh, I would add some more training past failure. And that doesn't mean just in the gym, but also like if you're on the range, you know, shooting to shooting as hard as you can until you start missing, you know, trying to do a very difficult uh, like JTAC vol or cast vol to where you're just completely failing or just trying something that you know you're not very good at finding where your failure point is get used to failing and being being accepting your failure learning from that failure and pressing on from there um, that's i would say that's a big one what advice did you give to the guys yesterday the guys that got the terrible news that you got the first time how did how did you help them did you give them any advice on how to work through that what was that like yes sir the first thing i told them was hey man don't beat yourself up you know, like I did, try and learn from my mistakes. Uh, it's just another opportunity for you to really get to know yourself because this is, is a very, very hard week. And a lot of people would pay a lot of money at a professional development course to try and get this same depth of introspection and evaluation. Uh, also to remind them that what you just did was, you should be proud of what you just did if you made it through the end. It, uh, not a lot of people are going to, you know, step outside their comfort zone to take this opportunity, or some of them might not even get this opportunity. So, you know, that's a, that's a win in your book already. And if you got some great feedback from it, some good personal feedback, whether you liked it or not, that's also a win right there. Cause you know how you can progress forward and be the next evolution of who you are as a person and be the better version of yourself. Something else I want to know, who was the biggest shocker candidate? Who did you look at around you? Maybe when we're starting a physical event and kind of wrote the guy off, but then they came out and shocked you. Is there anybody in this one? Absolutely. I would say Charlie two, three. I just um, wrote down his number because I knew <laughs> that was going to be your answer. Tell, yeah. tell us about it. Charlie two, three, uh, not to, not to insult him at all. just didn't seem very assuming or seem very unassuming physically, but man, when we started infill and I was, I was moving out pretty close to my max the whole time, eating and drinking and started you know, taking a little bit of a lead and just pushing as hard as I could stop for water. And I turned around and he's right there with me. And to, to give you some context, I'm two, I'm six foot two and I'm 230 pounds. And this guy's probably five, seven, maybe 140 pounds. And he's right there with me. So that was, that was incredible to see. Um, so I saw some competitive edge coming out of two, two again, because of two, three was right there around you. Did were you able to manage that a lot differently this time? Absolutely. Uh, he did pass me at one point, and that was when I was letting myself slow down to eat and drink water and kind of let the body go through a recovery phase for a couple minutes. And uh, some of the evaluators were telling me, hey, go catch him. Hey, go catch him. You got to catch him right now. And not letting that, not letting that immediately 
change my behavior or change my habit of, I know I need to rest right now, or I know I need to give my body some fuel so I can beat this guy in the long run. Um, so I, I waited probably a, probably a lap, I'm not sure how long the laps are, uh, just kind of staying behind him, keeping him within sight, about a hundred meters, eating a lot. Cause I saw he wasn't. And then I made my move and just pressed on as hard as I could from there. All of us that were at the start finish line, um, all said the same thing of that came out of nowhere looking at him. Um, so two, three, if you listen to this two, three did not get a selection. He did not get selected, I should say. And I hate that for him, but I just wanted to give him kind of a shout out cause he, he is a physical beast and I just totally blown away. Absolutely. Um, any lessons from Xville this time? Absolutely. Uh, biggest one is make sure you're taking care of your body and yourself before you start taking care of others. Um, that a lot of us like to do that. You know, some people are a little bit better at carrying jerry cans. Some of the, the larger body humans like myself, you know, carrying a, a jerry can is a little bit easier than some of the shorter guys and you want to help them because at first there's some individual events and then they start moving into team events and they usually pair up the fastest guy with the slowest guy and you know, usually the slowest guy's so deep in his pain cave on those first few individual events that he's forgetting to drink water, he's forgetting to eat. And then when he gets paired up with somebody else, you want to step up and carry the jerry can farther for him. Um, I noticed I did that both on the first exfil on the second exfil. And I, it really taxes you, but knowing your, knowing your limits and knowing, knowing where you are physically to where you can make a better decision on how far you're actually going to carry the jerry can before you ask for some rest. Give the guy a chance to recover, but also don't impact your own performance and cut your feet out from under you. Wow. I, yes, I could not have said that any better. And it is not only you, and I don't know if you learned that personally, but just me watching other guys go through, the stronger guys seem to really struggle with that balance. Um, and it almost took a couple of guys out. I'm, I'm glad they made it through. All right, so it's all behind you now. You got you got the go. Now you're going to start OTC the summer of 23. So what are you looking forward to the most? Biggest thing I'm looking forward to is starting a starting a new chapter in my life um, with with my new self confidence and new outlook on life. Uh, seeing this as an unknown object or an unknown event coming up um, normally or my past self would have been a little nervous about it, but now I'm very excited and really looking forward and leaning forward to give OTC everything I have and really, really come out a polished, polished gem, hopefully. I have no doubt. And the cadre that we have and we'll be there next year, will ensure it. Man, I appreciate you coming on here too, too. It was awesome to see you come through again. You know, we were having conversations. Do we bring them this time? Is it still too early? So thankful that we did, because uh, you just absolutely crushed it. All the cadres had the same thing. It was very easy decision for us and the commander yesterday uh, when your name came up on the board. So well done. Thank you. Thanks for having me.